You have 24 minutes. You have 24 minutes, the podcast from 24-Hour Nation. 24-Hour Nation is for municipal workers, community volunteers, and nighttime business employees who want to respectfully enliven their cities at night. 24-Hour Nation is also for those looking to enrich their travel experiences with the newest and most innovative things to see, do, or savor in America's cities. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24-Hour Nation. Today we are speaking with Varghese Chaco, founding partner and president of NYC Nightlife United. Nearly a third of a million individuals worked in New York City's nightlife when the coronavirus brought everything to a halt. In a matter of days, many of these jobs and gigs were erased. That is when a team of volunteers from the independent live music industry came together to form NYC Nightlife United. Its action and advocacy mission was born out of the need to support and help center the Black, Person of Color, POC, and LGBTQIA businesses and workers that fuel culture in New York City. Here's 24 Minutes with Varghese Chaco. Nice to meet you. Finally, Friday. yes. Uh, thank you, Randall. I uh, appreciate the hospitality for having me on. Sure. Now, so in the spring of 2020, NYC Nightlife United went from nothing to something in a matter of months. Tell us about that. Uh, so, you know, all of us are professionals in the space. My own personal background, um, you know, over a decade of working both in the festival, um, you know, music um, live performance space, as well as kind of the experiential marketing area. And so, a lot of us lost our 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 careers at that point, um, understandably so. But at that point, it was a bit of a, a major unknown. Uh, and so, you know, we saw a lot of our venues trying raising money for their staff and what have you. And I personally felt there was going to be a bit of a donor fatigue. There's only so many venues. Even if I paid to all of my venues, one, it would be a drop in the barrel. And so um, I had the blessing enough to link up with uh, Deanna Mora from Friends and Lovers. Um, who, um, along with Rick Lichten in uh, Ad Hoc Presents, had the genesis of this idea um, in in April, uh, March, really. And so by April, it is when I joined, they asked me to join um, the initiative and help launch it. Um, and it really started as, as, as a way to kind of marshal all of our voices together. You know, the tide raises all ships. And so if individual venues could get traction, what would it mean if all these independent venues uh, banded together to both support the workers as well as the businesses themselves? And not to cast any aspersion on any of the other organizations that form to help make sure restaurants get their funding, mm-hmm. that um, independent performing venues, the larger ones got mm-hmm. their funding, that a lot of the stuff generated out of New York City, again, but your focus was really specifically on what part of the ecosystem of the cultural scene? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I sit on the um, um, idea committee uh, 
for Neva. So I do work with them and they do phenomenal work. And Neva is the national national and sorry, national independent venue association. Just want to make um, sure everybody understands the language we're using. Great organization. They're able, they were able to really build a national coalition. Uh, and then, you know, there were also a local segment of that, of, of the Neva organization called Naiva, um, as well as, you know, hospitality Alliance. Um, so great organizations doing the work. There was not a place where we felt that was centering um, specifically POC um, actor, uh, you know, professionals within the space. And as we know, that drives so much of the creativity. And we were really, you know, this was this was paralleling with, you know, all, everything imploding, but then also George Floyd's murder. And so that right. was really coalesced. We launched, I believe, in early May and then paused um, because of that tragedy and really, you know, Pause to honor the honor the memory, but then also the movement, um, and to really give space to the folks that were really you know whose voices need to be heard. We then came back, um, you know, really re-energized to focus on the aspect of Black and POC voices and LGBTQI um, communities, um, specifically to, for safe spaces and those independent businesses, because we felt that was the one piece that was missing out of the conversation. There was all this talk, and if anything, I would say entertainment's probably driven most by minority vo voices and i can <laughs> perhaps go further down the that rabbit hole but well, let's uh, go was, further down that rabbit hole it's bit nightlife has been a you know it, in my 40-year existence you know i met my wife going to shows i met my best friends i made a career i've started you know an uh, activist um organization community organization and that's just my perspective but if you take a look at america's history and you go as far back as you know the integration in the jazz clubs during the harlem renaissance you think about the stonewall riots these were pivotal cultural movements that were at least molded and born out of the nightlife scene and i don't and I want to honor all of the voices that contributed to that. And it wasn't just nightlife, but I think we need to, as a society, we have a lot of maturing to do when we look at the nightlife space and we see it as a place of not only unbridled creativity, but also social cohesion at levels that which this country's never seen and needed to see at those times, both on a racial level and then on a sexual identity level. And so we're now in this full scope where I think the pandemic caused all of ourselves to just let the, the silos drop. If you're in techno and you're in, you know, you're in hip hop, you're in, you know, you know, in jam band music, you're a club, you're a cabaret, all of these silos dropped because we realized we were in the same ship. And so for us to be able to, as an industry come together, I would say the challenge ahead of us is to then highlight to the folks that aren't necessarily attendees per se, but just the cultural capacity in which we speak of opera and the Philharmonic, you don't need to love those pieces or, you know, even plays or what have like the Lincoln Center. This is where nightlife deserves to be heralded at that echelon. It's different strokes or different, you know, I totally understand it's not for everybody, but our ethos, my personal ethos is really, and I've always felt this, but I think the pandemic gave me a rubric to be able to answer the call in which the power that is nightlife and what it brings to our country and the world. And the social cohesion point you mentioned, I think, is actually it. And mm -hmm. imagine the power of um, this incredibly diverse group and get them all around the table. People would sit up and take notice because it feeds us, mm -hmm. right? I've gotten into different layers of of where it comes to 
you know, getting into like the cultural capacity of it. And really the, the, the pandemic to me as a person of a privileged background, a middle, upper middle class, I'm really bad with that kind of genres, but I'll, I'll you know, I want to respect the privilege that I have. Me losing my, you know, essentially losing my career and being in such dire straits. I We then thought about, you know, we were clapping at seven o'clock for all of the frontline workers. And this is a play, a country that doesn't really ever think about that. Our minimum wages are $7 an hour. So to have the country and ourselves think about what it means to be on the front lines and what it means to be a lower waged person. I don't want to say unskilled because that's not the, I I don't think that's an appropriate way of looking at it. But point being is that I think that nightlife can also be a means for not only social cohesion, but a means of upwards mobility if made equitable, like the, like um, I believe the New York state government is working with, um, you know, getting investment plans for independent contractors. You know, what does it look like for healthcare? These simple things that I think most white collar folks, um, you know, take don't take for granted. This is something that's a bit out of region. So if we're able to build a sustainable industry out of out of, you know, with nightlife and beyond, I think that can then almost act as a, um, you know, an uplifting economic mechanism for folks that may not have the traditional senses of skills of going to a college for a year degree, but it at least shows that there's a career path. Right. And these individuals, many times, particularly those that are part of the genesis for our cultural life, got left out really mm-hmm. of funding support, right? Mm-hmm. And is that one reason why NYC Nightlife United formed? Because you not only saw people hurt, you also saw the opportunity not being extended to them. Very much so. Uh, the fluidity of what defines a business and a independent contractor is, and I'm not even talking about a tax basis. I'm saying like literally a DJ is his own business. Right. A promoter is their own business. And so we wanted to go full stack. Where does it focus we're going to center those underrepresented voices, both businesses as well as um, workers. And I think over the last two, you know, two years, um, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of those businesses got, you know, infrastructure, but those single entity businesses like those DJs, the promoters, the 1099 people that, you know, are themselves a business. Um, we really found ourselves kind of um, really moving towards organically moving towards supporting those folks on those single individuals versus, uh, you know, the businesses. We still definitely that is a part of our mission. But I think the power and the need is really on that independent, um, you know, those independent contractors, uh, for lack of a, <laughs> a better economic word. OK. And so collaboratively, you you did what? What did the organization do? We started as a financial fund. So we saw the model of the the government giving out like $1,000 per family. And my background in this space is creating partnerships, both financial, community, production, what have you. It's, you know, my secret power of sorts. And so I, I brought that to the table um, and was and we were like, let's, you know, go to brands, go to individuals, Kickstarter, what have you. And so we within 90 days, we were able to raise our team was able to raise uh, over one hundred thousand dollars, which we then then distributed out into grants of up one thousand and five thousand dollar grants. Um, and to date, I think, you know, we or we've kind of surpassed, I think it's like one hundred and fifty thousand and we're a volunteer group. So sure. everything other than like nominal operation, fiscal sponsor fees, this is going right back into the community. So 
So then if anybody listening said, you know, I really value the individual artist or the individual contributor, whether they're not just a traditionally thought of artist, mm-hmm. but DJs, uh, stage managers, your universe includes drag performers. It's all over the place, but they're all contribute to the fabric of the nighttime cultural scene. Correct. I love that you pointed that out. Yes. Full stack. Anyone that even that in a professional level interacts with the space, um, barbacks, bar staff, uh, burlesque performers, you know, sex workers, like this is really a space that we are fluid with that, knowing that uh, we've all been there and it's not, we don't all fit in a nice box. And I think it takes a village to do what we do. And there's not an association really that really binds this group of professionals together, door security folks, uh, costume designers. It's really they're really part of the glue that makes it happen. And yet they're, you're the first to kind of step up in a cohesive way to try and bring these folks together. So you just did a major event and it was called um, the Nightlife United Cultural Awards. I guess it was New York City based. Tell us about that, how it came about and how it, how it came off what the evening was like. It looked incredible online. Thank you. It was amazing. It was so beautiful. It was something, you know, as mentioned before about, you know, our fundraising and really creating the culture fund, which distributes those grants to folks in need. We were looking at what is it, what is a nightlife United look like and what does a community look like, you know, one to five years down the road. And so as we were getting whiplash between reopening and not reopening and, um, you know, and, and vaccine, you know, vax checks and all of that, um, we knew that we were emerging into something, hmm. what it was, how painful it was. It was. And so for us as community you know, leaders, supporters, uh, members, we wanted to both celebrate the industry, shine a light on the OGs and the new folks, as well as provide celebration, um, you know, a celebratory aspect where we can really celebrate the f- the good work that everyone's been doing and has been doing. And so the Culture Awards uh, were born, of, you know, about a year, over a year, we've been working on it for over a year. And it we basically had an open nomination so pu- the public could nominate folks that they felt in four different categories uh they were all very community based so social justice the categories were social justice good neighbor award um, um safe spaces uh and sustainability and so we really wanted to focus more on folks doing the work that that helps the community um so this is less about an instagram chase uh, and how many followers one has um which is great Uh, you know we're we're part of that machine as well but point being is you know in this celebration we wanted to uh, both highlight folks and so we created an award this culture award show we booked it with some dope artists and we were able to distribute twenty thousand dollars worth of grants to those four winners we were really happy with the outcome it was our first proof of concept event so uh, yeah, we, we definitely are, are kind of going into, we raised, it was really a fundraiser and a celebration that then raises money for the culture funds, which we will be distributing, um, in Q3, Q4 of this year. Okay. And tell, tell, tell us a little bit about some of the, the you said there were four recipients, tell, a little backstory on one or two of them. Um, Venus cups, I think was a really special one because she was a sex worker that then works on consent. Um, initiatives across the city. And I believe, you know, she just does national campaigns and really to be able to center those voices. And I want to, I want to be clear, my own perspective is evolving. You know, I, I would, I really want to honor the fact that it's, 
it's something where as fluid as everything is, even th- having these conversations um, is something that is a learning curve for me. And so, and, and our organization. And so I think it's important that if it's, that we're able to share that um, with the, with the community and, 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 the, you know, the city and the world at large. And so being able to have, you know, center her experience as a former sex worker that now is really turned and used, you know, use that skill and experience into um, building consent programs that are actionable. This isn't just like a lofty, you know, it's really um, like there's a rubric that, you know, folks can kind of um, follow, you know, and learn from and apply at their own venues and their spaces. Um, Another person that was really near and dear and I thought was super dope uh, was Lachi, um, who started Ramped, um, which is a uh, organization of musicians that have disabilities. And so once again, we're talking about a population that we've never had these conversations before, at least in my perspective. And I think Ramped is fairly new and I apologize if they're not, but uh, point being is it's that kind of evolution of the conversation that I think makes me so proud of the work that everyone's doing together um, because to be able to have these, have these conversations and highlight these folks was really important, um, important for the community and the culture. And I'm, and I'm proud. Uh, and when you talk about the organization did this, the organization presented this event, you said it's all volunteer, but tell us a little bit about that. Are, are, is there like a board or do you have individual volunteers? How is it structured? So if somebody else in, in Salt Lake City or Tampa, Florida said, you know, we really, we've got the same unserved population in my community. How would we structure that? How is yours structured? Um, great question. Um, it's something that we've been exploring um, as I've had conversation with other kind of local community groups in Chicago and Tampa and what have you. The way that we structured it is uh, we do have a like a leadership board of five folks, essentially that to just speak in layman's terms, <laughs> uh, it's essentially uh, in the five founders um, that essentially came together oh, towards the beginning of it really super complimentary um, skill sets. And so those us as on the leadership board really kind of have voting rights. And so of course, majority voting, you know, if there's any major initiatives, of course, we strive to be as streamlined as possible, but making sure that everyone has an equal say. And then we have volunteers that have come on and just, um, you know, at various stages come and gone. Um, And so we do offer stipends to those volunteers and any and people on the leadership board. Uh, but once again, you know, we're new in that space. So it, we're still kind of, uh, we're building the ship as we fly it. Let's yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of the theme of the pandemic response, I think. <laughs> so speaking of which though, as the pandemic ebbs, if it ever ebbs, mm. What's the future you envision for NYC Nightlife United? Was it established just for these debilitating times or does it have a life beyond the pandemic? I um, We started as just a response to help. Um, so we had no aspirations beyond what was, you know, the six months down the road. Uh, and I think the momentum that we were able to build um, both with governments and other community organizations and then just seeing the the, the niche that we carved out, we are moving into mentorship programs and other kind of community educational programs, jobs like job sourcing help, things like that, because we think that's a pretty big avenue that I think needs. There's a privilege to being in nightlife. I was able to work at, you know, 
work at Brooklyn Bowl or take an internship because I was able, I had, I came from certain means that allowed me to live in one of the most expensive cities um, and take this job that would not have paid my bills. Let's be frank. Um, and so what does it look like to be able to bring folks that are underrepresented into the ecosystem in a sustainable way? So right now, Long Vision is really building out those mentorship programs, building out the job job creation, um, and then working with other organizations to create. You know, we've already launched mental health initiatives with Backline, um, and we've you know inspired that with the uh, city government. Uh, and so, the Culture Awards is definitely something that I have high aspirations for. It took every ounce of my hour being. <laughs> they, all, they always do. Right. Events always but, like, like that always do. Right. But that's kind of the, those three, I would say mentorship programs, building out that, and then, um, you know, job, you know, and, and job kind of creation as well. And then those kind of tied together and the culture awards are the two strategic kind of areas that we're, we're focused on moving forward. Uh, but I will say for all the folks that are, are listening, you know, the challenges, the needs are everywhere. And I've, we have had to steer ourselves and really not necessarily, you know, and really focus on the mission and make sure that it's, if you are an organization, um, you could easily get lost in potential partnerships that and people coming to pitch you or what have you. So I would, uh, you know, uh, encourage folks to really hone in on your mission and really focus on a few tasks um, rather than try to buckshot the whole thing. Because I would completely reinforce that from my experience. And we call that mission creep, something like uh, NYC Nightlife United. It could be valuable to any city in the states that has a cultural community, um, not only bringing attention to it, but also supporting those individuals who um, are fibers of that fabric. What advice would you give to any group that wants to mobilize and assist this community? And uh, uh, I would say, you know, just make sure the stakeholders in your organization are part of the community you're trying to serve. Uh, and that's something that I will be transparent. It's something that we are constantly evolving, making sure that we are, you know, we have underrepresented voices, even within our own ranks at, in Nightlife United. So I want to be uh, totally transparent with you. It's something that is constantly evolving, especially with a volunteer organization. People come and go. Um, you have, you know, you want to make sure people are whole. So it's a challenge. And after leading this through the most challenging times of all of our lives, there is no formula to it, but if you have the folks that you're, you know, if you have those stakeholders that are within the populations you're trying to serve, you at least have your thesis is at least has a, an appropriate filter because you're not really just coming in as a carpetbagger to be like, well, right. this is what I think. And right. that's all fine and good. I'm here to help you people. Right. Yeah. Right. That's difficult. So anybody could go to nycnightlifeunited.com. They can donate. They can apply if they're in the in your um, area. I suppose they could apply for support or involvement. Uh, they could volunteer you also at NYC Nightlife United on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter at NYC Nightlife UTD. Varghese Chaco, I want to give you the last word that you might want to, what, what do you want to communicate to anybody that hears this message about what you're about or what they could be about? The you know, there's room for everyone at the table. And I think as a society, uh, you know, we would be, well, we, we would be well positioned if we were able to, you know, respect humans for what they are fellow humans. Um, and the tide raises all ships and I don't mean to just throw analogies, but I truly feel 
with all of the privilege that we have in our lives, I think there is, you know, whether or not you're helping other people or not, it's a simple equation to just treat other people with respect, regardless of their position and station in your life or in their lives. This has been Season 1, Episode 11 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Find us online at 24hournation.com and on social media at 24 Hour Nation.